Welcome to the Piloting the Jets podcast, your home of the New York Jets on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Neil Villapiano. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add and you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo codes THPN. TBPN or TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's codes THPN, TBPN, or TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Oh my goodness. What just happened? J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. What is going on, Jets fans? It is, as always, your host, your boy, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Piloting the J-E-T-S podcast right here on the Pigskin Podcast Network, the number one place to get everything you need to know and the best coverage for your New York Jets. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. I know I am, and certainly you should be as well after this past Sunday. But I hope you guys are doing well here on listening to this edition of the Piloting the Jets podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check out these episodes You already know that I greatly, greatly appreciate it. This podcast episode and everything we do here at the Pigskin Podcast Network are sponsored by our wonderful friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook with so many different opportunities to get huge cash prizes from betting on NFL games, college football is underway, Major League Baseball playoffs is just right around the corner, and even the NHL hockey season is upon us. DraftKings is always giving you unbelievable opportunities to cash in. So if this sounds like something up your alley, here's what you do. Go to DraftKings right now, sign up, use our promo code TPPN, and tell them that your boy Neil Villapiano sent you. Also, shout out to our other great sponsors at Raycon, giving you great, unbelievable earphones the best in the business that are also a bang for your buck so affordable and when you go get your earbuds or even earphones because they also offer that when you check out use our promo code tppn to get 15 percent off your purchase and again thank you to DraftKings and raycon for sponsoring the piloting the jets podcast and the pigskin podcast network 
Oh my goodness, guys. I don't even know how what words to use to process what happened on Sunday, other than that was arguably the greatest comeback in modern Jets history, considering everything that went on in that game and how excruciatingly frustrating it was at times for the Jets to come back with less than two minutes down by 13 to win the game. It's just, it's one of those wins that you hope could maybe finally change things around here on one Jets drive. I mean, it, you just, you hope. All you could do is hope as a Jets fan, right? That's all we can hope for. And it was just amazing to me. And we're going to talk about it because we have so much to talk about from that game. And also, guys, as I always do, I'm giving you guys my weekly preview for the next week's game. This one, preview slash prediction of our week three matchup at home against the defending AFC champions and the surprising 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals. And we'll get into all that information as well. So, as always, guys, we have a bunch to get to here on the Piloting the JETS podcast. So let's not waste any more time and kick this one off. So, obviously... We are going to start things off by, I guess, trying to recap what on earth happened in week two this past Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. So, look, we all got to call it like it is. None of us really went into this with the high expectations, considering how things went, particularly on offense in week one and kind of in many ways, just flat out disappointing in week one home opener against the Ravens. And and also the fact that the Browns were coming off a road victory against their former quarterback, Baker Mayfield, you know, you, you didn't feel all that good going into it. You were hoping that maybe the jets could fix some things, show some more positives, try to be competitive, maybe pull off an upset if things go in a certain way. And they certainly did in a multitude of different ways. Um, but as far as winning the game was concerned, I think a lot of us were less than 50% confident, maybe even honestly less than 30% confident that they were going to get the dub. And when the game kicked off, when, when this one started, uh, you know, it, it, you, you, the Jets immediately looked like it was going to be a long day. And you could just tell by watching them both on offense and even on defense. Like at times the defense was a lot worse than they were in week one. They didn't have the same energy. Uh, they left a lot of people open. And we'll talk about that in greater detail as we get along here. And so we start things off in the first quarter and Jets went three and out to start the game. Browns went right down the field, scored on a Nick Chubb touchdown, his first of what would be three. And uh, we'll obviously talk about that more as well. But uh, that would be the beginning of what was a phenomenal day, especially if you are fantasy football owners of Nick Chubb, which turned out to be a phenomenal day for him and one of the biggest and probably maybe the biggest negative I have from this game. But the Browns start off 7 nothing, And on the very next drive for the Jets, 
they get the ball and they're kind of moving it a little bit. They get it to about their own 40-ish yard line and then eventually they're forced to punt. So I'm thinking, okay, well, hopefully Brandon Mann can get a solid punt in. He obviously had a really rough second half against uh, Baltimore last week and you're hoping that maybe he has a better opportunity this week. Like you're hoping that he does better. Well, he ended up uh, whether it was his decision or not, probably not. Uh, he ended up having a signature moment um, in this one. It actually turned out to be one of two signature moments that uh, Brady Man actually had in this one. The Jets decided to run a fake punt, and Man with an absolutely beautiful pass to a wide open Jeff Smith that kept the drive alive, got the first down, and inside Brown's territory. And it was, it was just so unJets like to run a play like that. Now we've seen the Jets run a play like that and not get it. But that's why it's more uncommon that not only did the Jets run the play, but they actually got the first down. So that was kind of like the first, I guess you'd say, first crazy thing that happened that maybe kind of was a foreshadowing of what of things to come as this game went along. And that kind of brought us, that was late in the first quarter. That brought us to the end of the first quarter. So the Jets down 7-0, but they still have the ball. They're still driving. And you started to see once the second quarter began, that uh, LaFleur started to get Brees Hall involved a lot more. He had a couple of nice plays in week one, but Michael Carter carried the majority of the load. This week was much more about Brees Hall. And really, you kind of felt good about it. You started seeing the offensive line continuing to do really well when it came to running the football. The run blocking has been tremendous. And Hall started to get some openings. He had one big run for, I think it was like 20 yards or so, you know, relatively deep into uh, Brown's territory. Jets get the ball all the way down to the two-yard line to the point where it's third and goal from the two, and the Jets call a fade pattern for Garrett Wilson. Flacco gets the ball one step to his right, lobs it up in the air, and Garrett Wilson just over his shoulder, Flacco putting it perfectly where only Garrett Wilson can make a play. He catches it, and Wilson gets his first NFL touchdown, which ties the game up at seven. And you saw how pumped up Garrett Wilson was. And it's kind of funny because when he scored, he's right up in front of two Browns fans. Uh, I think a, a father and his son, and he's not even looking at them. He's looking up at the crowd in front of, them. but I think it's just funny how that kid and his father were sitting like within two or three inches of Garrett Wilson. And uh, they could hear that. And I thought at first he was talking to the kid, but the kid and the father didn't react at all. They were more upset probably than anything. But all in all, Garrett Wilson gets his first NFL touchdown. And I told you guys last week when we were talking about what the Jets, one of the things the Jets need to do on offense is to get Garrett Wilson the football. And LaFleur really, really took that to heart. He took it personally like Michael Jordan did in the uh, in the last dance documentary, as he mentioned so many times. You know, he took that personally and you saw as this game progressed how much the Flacco to Garrett Wilson connection was there. And if you remember Garrett Wilson during training camp praised Flacco a lot for getting the ball exactly where Garrett Wilson could only make a play. And that touchdown was a prime example. So all of that after the fake punt and leading to that touchdown, we got a tie ball game. Unfortunately, that didn't last long as the Browns would score on their very next possession. And it was it was just strange because it started with Donovan Peoples-Jones making a great, well, at, le at least at first it was a great catch. He had both feet in bounds as he was diving out of bounds, but he bobbled the ball a little bit, incomplete pass. Next play, 
Cooper is open for a touchdown, but it's called off due to a penalty against the Browns. But the very next play after that, um, Brissett has time in the pocket, throws it, and freaking Amari Cooper again, this time even more wide open as Sauce Gardner got burned for the first time in his career. And the Browns scored to regain the lead at 14-7. to And I will give credit to the Jets that they didn't immediately, you know, back down. They marched down the field again, looking like that they were in prime position to uh, to tie the game. And then Jadavion on Clowney with a big play, forcing a fumble, knocking the ball out of Flacco's hands. And uh, the Browns were able to recover and get the ball back still up 14-7. to Now, this is where kind of both offenses started to sputter a bunch more, where neither team at this point was kind of doing a whole lot. The defenses were really making plays, which I got to give the Jets credit that their defense, once again, just like against the Ravens, was giving the Jets offense opportunities to get back on the field without trailing by a whole lot. And then the Jets get the ball with less than two minutes to go in the, in the first half, and I'm thinking, okay, Let's try to at least get into field goal position, go down, kick a field goal, down 14 to 10 at the half. You're good. But the Jets were marching, and with 15 seconds left, and the Jets in the red zone again, Flacco gets the ball from the shotgun, has some time, and he finds a wide-open Brees Hall out of the backfield doing a wheel route to the corner of the end zone. Brees Hall makes the catch and just sneaks his way past the defender into the end zone. For a game-tying touchdown as the first half came to an end. And Brees Hall getting his first NFL touchdown. Wasn't a rushing one, but it's his first NFL touchdown nonetheless. Great pass from Joe Flacco. His touches were much better this week than they were last week. And he found Brees Hall. And the Jets go into the locker room tied at 14. So you're looking at him, you're saying, you know, Despite the fact that the Jets were struggling to cover tight ends and Amari Cooper was already having himself a big time game and the Jets also were really kind of shooting themselves in the foot with several penalties, this game is tied at 14. This is a winnable game. The Jets are right in it. And it really looked like that it was going to continue to be this way, you know, because again, the Browns got the ball to start the second half. Browns go down the field, and the Jets' defense holds and forces a uh, a field goal attempt, which the Browns got. And so at that point, early in the third quarter, it's 17-14. to 14. But the Jets' offense kind of went back to where what we saw last week against the Ravens, where they weren't moving the ball pretty much at all. And it was just frustrating. There were like maybe one or two plays here or there, and Joe Flacco was still trying to get the ball a lot. To uh, Garrett Wilson, who did make one like solid 17-yard catch, but the Jets couldn't muster anything. And so after three quarters of play, um, the Jets are only down 17 to 14. I remember tweeting out, which you can follow the podcast Twitter at Pilot uh, Jets Podcast or Pilot Jets Pod, excuse me, on Twitter. Um, I said, look, this is a winnable game. The Jets just got to come together with a couple of really solid drives, get another touchdown or two. You can win this game, especially with the way the defense was playing at that point. And the Jets did have the ball, you know, in Brown's territory, but almost at the 50-yard line. And eventually the Jets were forced to attempt a field goal from Greg, from Greg Zerline, 57-yard attempt. And I was thinking, considering that Zerline missed a relative chip shot last week, well, my confidence level wasn't phenomenal at that moment. But Greg the Leg showed why he's called Greg the Leg as he knocked this one right down the middle, drilled it, 57-yarder, to tie the game up at 17. And so, again, 
more belief, more hope, more excitement that, okay, it's a 17-all game. The Jets defense has been holding. Let's get another stop. Let's get the ball, and let's go take the lead. And this is kind of where the Jets defense really um, started to, I don't want to say imploded, but really I think because of the fact they had been on the field for so much of the game, it's, again, just like against Baltimore, they started to really crack. And the Browns would go on to score in two of their next three drives, both Nick Chubb rushing touchdowns, which ended up getting him, as I mentioned before, three touchdowns, and also the Jets struggling to stop uh, um Kareem Hunt as well it was it was so frustrating how Hunt and Cobb and, and Chubb and even honestly um Brissett at times were getting 70 yards a clip when it came to running the football and so at this point it is 30 to 17 late in the fourth quarter less than two minutes uh Kate York missed a PAT after the third uh, Nick Chubb touchdown, which made it 30 to 17. And we're going to come back to that because it's important. And for those who didn't watch the game, you'll understand why in a little bit. But the Jets offense was just dead at this point. You have a minute 55 to go in the game, down 30 to 17. And I'll be the first one to say it. On that third touchdown by Nick Chubb, I tweeted out ball game. Because at that point, knowing how I've watched the Jets, knowing how things go, that this was pretty much it. That the Jets, maybe they would get a chance to score another touchdown, make it look a little bit closer, but it just wasn't going to be enough. And according to ESPN Analytics, ladies and gentlemen, at that very moment with the Jets having the football, minute 55 to go, down 30-17, the Browns had a 99.9% win probability. So at this point, the Jets were starting that next drive with a 0.01% chance of somehow pulling off this victory. And Joe Flacco and the Jets offense and the Jets in general took this so incredibly personally. And it started with second and one, you're on your own 34. Flacco stands in that pocket with the pressure kind of getting to him. And he just heaves one down the right sidelines to an absolutely wide open Corey Davis. I have never seen a Jets receiver this wide open. And you could hear the crowd noise in that, you know, they're gasping as the ball is in the air before it even gets close to Corey Davis. Because at that moment, everybody realized, holy crap, Corey Davis is wide open. And Davis scores. He just reversed moonworms into the end zone for a touchdown. And the Jets cut the deficit to six after making the PAT. And now they're down 30 to 24 with a minute 22 to go in the game. So it took all of 33 seconds for the Jets to score and cut the deficit to less um, to less than seven. But again, you're saying, okay, now with the fact that the Jets have no timeouts, um, all they can hope for is an onside kick recovery, which the chances of it, especially nowadays in the NFL, is so little. So again, the win probability is still very, very high. Very high. I believe it was just over 80% according to ESPN, even at that point. So although it was less than what it was before, the Browns still had a very high probability of winning this game. And Brady Mann comes on the field, who had already had himself a big moment with that fake punt pass for 17 yards. It's a great throw, by the way. And the Jets are setting up for the onside kick, and they have a decent amount of guys on both sides. Mann comes up, 
And just at the last second, he turns from his right to his left and kicks it the other way. It actually bounced a couple times. And then a big time hit on Amari Cooper from Will Parks actually knocks the ball loose. And the Jets, Justin Hardy, dives on it, scramble in front. Who has the ball? The ref comes in and immediately points that the Jets have the football. And that was the moment where everybody said, what? What? We got the football? We have a chance? There's a chance here? It's like it's like that meme. It's like, so you're saying there's a chance. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable that the Jets got the football. And you're just sitting there and they showed the Browns crowd. And at that moment, they were wondering to themselves, oh no, what's going on here? Why are we struggling so much? What the hell is going on? And shout out to Braden Mann, who had himself a super important game, considering how he performed last week. The two plays that were the biggest were not even him involving in punting, but that fake punt attempt that got them the first down, which led to them getting their first touchdown of the game, and then kicking that onside kick and having the Jets recover. So the Jets get the ball at their own 47 with a minute 22 to go, and no timeouts, and you're still down by six. So all the plays had to be towards the sidelines. And Joe Flacco, with some really good protection, that, honestly, the offensive line's best drive was that final drive. Joe Flacco staying there, cool as a cucumber, throwing darts left and right. He was getting he was getting guys involved. Garrett Wilson a couple more times. And then they moved the ball all the way down, so you have a third and 10 from the Browns' 15 with 25 seconds to go. And you know that at this point... Any play at this point has to be to the end zone because you have no timeouts, not a whole lot of room to get out of bounds, and you still need 10 yards to at least get a first down to give yourself more downs to try to get it. But Joe Flacco stands in that pocket. Again, great protection from the O-line, and he throws a freaking dart, threads the needle, and finds Garrett Wilson through two defenders, open makes the catch for the touchdown, and the Jets have tied it at 30. And that was the most unreal thing. A minute 33 ago, the Jets were down by 13. A minute 33 later, it's a tie ball game. And all the Jets have to do, or all at least Greg Zerlin has to do, is kick the extra point to give them the lead. Because if you remember... When the Browns scored that third touchdown from Nick Chubb, Cade York, the kicker for the Browns, had missed the extra point. And so all of a sudden, that missed extra point looms large. And Greg Zerline right down the middle, kicks it, and the Jets, with once again 22 seconds to go, have come back to take a one-point lead. Now, the Browns get the ball back. They have one timeout. And they do have a decent amount of field to go, but they can do it. All they need is a field goal. They need to get in field goal range. And all they need is a field goal. And they could still pull out this win despite blowing a 13-point lead with less than two minutes to go. And they were moving the ball a little bit. You saw Jacoby Brissett get that nice 15-yard run. It did kill a lot of time because Brissett was standing in the pocket for a little bit longer than they would have liked. But the Browns get it to their own 46. It's first and 10, 13 seconds to go. And you know that the Browns need about 15 to 20 more yards to get into Cade York range, to get him into range, to give him a good opportunity to try to get um, 
the game-winning field goal. And Brissett gets the ball in the shotgun, stands in the pocket for about a, about two or three seconds, and he throws it with conviction. And Ashton Davis, one of my Cowboys, jumps right in front of the pass. I don't think Brissett saw him at all. And he intercepts it, runs it a couple yards, takes a knee with six seconds to go, and seals the comeback victory. Joe Flacco takes a knee, and the Jets, despite everything, poor defensive plays at time. We can't guard tight ends for whatever reason. We struggled running the ball. We struggled stopping the run. Our offense at times, once again, looking like it's just dead in the water. And despite all of that, the Jets found a way to win the football game, get their first win of the season, Obviously, to an extent, back up the receipts comment by head coach Robert Sala, um, which obviously the media had to ask him, uh, do you cash in some receipts? And he says, we have a lot more winning to do, which is very, very true. But the Jets have won the football game 31 to 30, coming back from down 13 points with only a minute 55 to go. It took a wide-open 66-yard touchdown from Flacco to, to Corey Davis, an onside kick recovery by the Jets, and then Flacco finding Garrett Wilson for the second time in the game, and a pick from Ashton Davis, who has been the subject of criticism for several years now since he was drafted, comes through. Some guys who have been, criti have been criticized a lot came through when they needed it. And I remember tweeting that this was arguably the greatest comeback in modern Jets history. If you think about the last 10 years, right? Since like 2012, when have the Jets had a comeback like that? Usually if this type of thing happens, the Jets are the one blowing it. But this time around, the Jets did the comebacking and they upset the Browns in their home opener, moved to one and one and get a huge amount of momentum and energy going into week three at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. And that was just phenomenal. I love seeing the players' reaction on the field. Joe Flacco in the locker room just going nuts. Everybody just pumped up. Garrett Wilson having the game of his life in just his second career game. And Robert Sala getting a little bit of that, you know, I proved, I, you know, a little bit of that uh, pat on the back. A little bit of that I told you so type thing, we're going to start winning. And yes, it was somewhat of a fluke because how, how often does a team come back from that deficit with that little time left? Everything had to go right for the Jets, and it did so freaking much. So the Jets come back from down 13 it, with a minute 55 to go to beat the Browns 31-30 to 30 on the road and improve their record to 1-1. One and one. Now let's look at the positives and negatives from this game. Um, obviously, the biggest positive is that the Jets came back from down 13 to win this game. But there were several others that I want to just point out. Flacco and the offensive line was better. Flacco did get sacked a couple times, but the running uh, blocking was still superb. And like I just said, the blocking on that last drive with Flacco having to throw basically every play, they did a great job of him not getting touched. And the Jets actually ended up throwing 15 fewer passes than they did in week one. Remember, Flacco threw 59. Flacco threw just 44. I say just 44. He completed 26 of his 44 passes for 307 yards and four touchdowns. Four to three different people. Garrett Wilson for two, Corey Davis, 
and Brees Hall. So that was my first positive takeaway. Second one, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson got way more involved than he did in week one. Hall, seven carries, 50 yards, didn't have a rushing touchdown, but caught one pass. It was a 10-yard swing route in the red zone to score his first NFL touchdown on a reception. And then obviously Garrett Wilson's coming out party, or at least we hope so. Eight catches, 102 yards, and two touchdowns, including the game winner with 22 seconds to go in this one. And I'd like to hope that this is the beginning of getting them involved in the offense as much as possible. And then you have the Jets just never giving up. In in recent years, especially recent years, we've been so used to seeing the Jets just completely give up at this point and saying, we're not going to win. You know, we're going to go to 0-2. It is what it is. But they continued to fight. Things went their way. And they took advantage of the 0.1% chance that they had to win this game statistically. And they ran with it. And that was phenomenal. That was one of the biggest wins that the Jets have had in a long, long time. And then you go to the negatives, and there were a bunch. First one, rushing defense has to improve a bunch. It was okay in week one. It was really bad here in week two. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Jacoby Brissett combined carried the ball 26 times for 188 yards and three touchdowns, all three again from Nick Chubb. But you saw Kareem Hunt just kind of imposing his will on the Jets in that fourth quarter to where it definitely felt like at that time that the Jets were really imploding and, you know, they weren't going to be able to do anything. Uh, Sauce Gardner, who had a really, really good week one, uh, did get humbled a bunch going up against Amari Cooper. Cooper finished with nine catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. But, you know, it's it's better to have that, especially in a win, because you can really take confidence in saying that, you know what, we were still able to get the win and I just got to improve. And Gardner, again, is a rookie. And that was only his second game. Um, so obviously a lot to uh, improve upon, especially going up against the talented receivers of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and those guys against Cincinnati next week. And then again, it's a negative, but it's also a positive. I still want more of Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Michael Carter didn't really have that much of an impact in this one as he carried the ball for just 23 yards. But Hall and MC combined for 14 carries, 73 yards, no rushing touchdowns, but again, that one receiving touchdown from Brees Hall. Want to see them both. I want to, I want them to average combined over 110 to 120 yards a game. They don't both have to rush for over 100 yards, but you got to get them more involved. They're just as good out of the backfield as receivers as they are with running the football, especially when the when the offensive line has proved to be really good when it comes to running the football. You have to do that, especially against a defensive line of Cincinnati that is going to be keen so much on pressuring Joe Flacco and getting to him. You have to get a way to establish the running game more and also finding some plays where you could get Hall and MC involved in the passing game as well to help out Joe Flacco. So again, please, for the love of God, Matt LaFleur, get these two involved. You have a potential dynamic duo at running back with these two different types of change of pace running backs. Use them. Just like you got Garrett Wilson so involved this week, get MC and Hall involved even more. Because again, Brees Hall did all of his damage in the first half. They never went back to him in the second half. They barely did. Same thing with Michael Carter. Get it going, guys. So those are my positives and negatives from arguably the greatest comeback in modern Jets 
history with again the Jets coming back from down 13 to upset the Browns in Cleveland 31 to 30. And guys, it only gives you hope that maybe, just maybe, this could be the beginning of the Jets finally turning around this franchise. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a story to tell you. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of One Republic, Coldplay, Imagine Dragons, and several other of my favorite, absolutely favorite music bands. And one reason it's been great to listen to is because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me, I have used a lot of different earphones and things like that over the years, and these are the best. No matter where I move my head or how you know vigorous it might be, they do not budge. Raycon also gives you eight hours of playtime and 32-hour battery life. It's phenomenal. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's just such an unbelievable thing that Raycon offers you. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. And there are several different additional awesome features that Raycon has to offer. First and foremost, they have earbud tap functions, making it very easy for you to change volume, to change the song, to shuffle, so many different opportunities. Noise isolation. We know how much a lot of us crave the noise isolation and trying to really focus on what we're listening to. They give you that. And awareness mode helps you understand, well, really, it really does a good job, a phenomenal job, actually, of being aware of where you are, what situation you're in, to turn the volume up or down, depending on where you are. I mean, all of these features are phenomenal at such an affordable price. It is great. I would highly recommend you getting some. And if you are interested, here's what you do. Go to buyraycon.com today and use one of our promo codes, THPN15, TBPN15, or TPPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's codes THPN15, TBPN15, or TPPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off your purchase. Buyraycon.com, code THPN15, TBPN15, or TPPN15. Once again, thank you to Raycon, and this is an offer you don't want to miss out on. So now we will preview slash predict week three here coming up against the Bengals at home Taking on the defending AFC champions and the surprising 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals who lost their home opener in week one to Pittsburgh and then lost the tight one in Dallas against the Cowboys. And so obviously the Bengals are struggling and this could be an opportunity for the Jets to get a victory, continue the misery of the Bengals start to the year. This is obviously going to be a huge game for Cincinnati. They're going to want to do a whole lot of damage to shut up a lot of the naysayers and, and people who are critical of them through the first two weeks. So this is something to really that Robert Sala needs to keep his eye on and need to focus on. Biggest thing, obviously, is that Joe Flacco, the Jets have already announced he's starting week three. Uh, Zach Wilson did throw on the field prior to the game against the Browns, and he's still progressing to be ready by week four. I will say this, though. If the Jets win 
against the the Bengals this this upcoming week, and they go to two and one, and let's say Joe Flacco looks good like he did, you know, statistically speaking, in week two, are the Jets really going to bench Flacco knowing that he's got the hot hand right now? You wonder that. I wonder if that will be a much tougher discussion. Now, it could obviously not be if the Jets lose uh, this week and don't look good doing it and all that stuff, but just want to keep that in your mind. Also, you remember the Jets played the Bengals last year in the Hall of Fame Mike White game that put him in the Hall of Fame, um, and uh, that was one of the bigger upsets of the season for the Jets. Obviously, the Bengals were not, from a public standpoint, as you know, big time as they are now, but still, it was a... Really, really, you know, impressive performance from Mike White to get that win. And we'll see how Joe Flacco fares uh, this week. Uh, this game obviously will be up this upcoming Sunday, the 25th, 1 p.m. Eastern start time at MetLife Stadium. And you know, you, you know that the Jets were going to come out and we're going to be loud, especially coming off that win, knowing that we're taking on a vulnerable team, that it could be a potential win in itself at home. Now, Let's look at the Bengals a little bit more. Let's look a little deeper into the Bengals. They've been outscored only 43 to 37 in the first two games, which is not bad. But Joe Burrow has been the biggest question mark through the first two weeks. The man who guided this team to the Super Bowl just nine months ago is really been struggling. Or seven months ago has really been struggling. He's completed 57 of his 89 passes for 537 yards, three touchdowns, and four interceptions. That is obviously not good. It's kind of funny how Joe Flacco, I think, has um, almost the same, if not a little bit more. I think he has less passing yards, but more touchdowns and few interceptions uh, than Joe Burrow through the first two games. Is that a fluke? There's a good chance that it is, but it's kind of funny to look at nonetheless. Um, and the offensive line for the Bengals has not improved. We saw Joe Burrow get sacked so much last year, and he has already been sacked an unreal 13 times through two games. And I just saw via ESPN that Joe Burrow is on track. If this keeps up with the O-line, on track to be sacked nearly 100 times before this season wraps up. I mean, that is pretty bad. So the Jets on defense, they got to find a way to really, really get after Burrow, really, really test this offensive line, force Burrow to move around. Because once they get to him a couple times, it's really, really going to pay off. So you got to pressure, got to pressure uh, Joe Burrow. And that leads me to my keys to the game. I got two um, for each side of the ball. Offense, like I said just a few moments ago, get Brees Hall and MC more involved. Okay? Got to do that. The other thing is go deep more like you did versus the Browns with those deep passes, you know, that deep one to uh, Corey Davis. I know he was wide open. That was kind of like, you know, just a broken play, but it still worked. Go deep. You had a couple really nice deep routes to Garrett Wilson more as well. You got a couple passes, which were 11, 12 yards a clip. Get, you know, spread the ball out more. Like I said last week, the same thing, spread the ball out. Cincinnati secondary has been struggling a bunch and you got to find a way to expose that. Now, on the defensive side, other than what I just said about let's blitz a little bit more, let's really, really test this offensive line from a passing perspective for Cincinnati, you got to find a way to slow down the running game. Because maybe, maybe Zach Taylor is going to start thinking about getting Joe Mixon and P. Ryan and even Joe Burrow, who can run a little bit, more involved in running the football, and especially when they just saw what the Jets did and what they gave up on the running game this past week against Cleveland. I think that that's going to be a focal point for the for the uh, Bengals 
offense. Although we know with the amount of talent they have on the outside that they're just one or two big plays away from really getting going. But you got to find a way to slow down the running game. And for the love of all that is holy, please, please do not let another tight end be wide open on every other damn play where he's open down the middle of the field. Can we at least have one linebacker on these guys play a little bit more man-to-man defense and try to figure it out? Because we were getting burned this past week. It was very frustrating. But I think that the Jets really got to find a way to pressure Joe Burrow, continue to put the the pressure of that offense for Cincinnati on that O-line, who, again, 13 sacks through two games. It's definitely something that I'm sure Salah and that defense is going to be looking at as they get ready for this week against the Bengals. And so now we end this episode with my prediction. Now the Jets come into this game only a plus three underdogs, according to our wonderful sponsors at DraftKings. And so this is honestly almost like you could say this is pretty close to a coin flip. Um, although I think that the Jets could certainly pull off the upset, it's kind of hard to not you know, say to yourself, well, that comeback that happened this week, it's one out of a hundred chances that that is actually going to happen. And maybe the Jets fall back down to earth the Bengals are going to come in super motivated to want to finally get their first win of the season and get their offense rolling so while I think it's going to be relatively competitive and I don't see the Jets ever being out of the game I do think the Bengals are unfortunately going to come away with the win now look I'm already one for one on my predictions um this year so I would love to be one for two by the time you guys hear my voice again next um next week but this is just how the way I look at it. So I'm going to go with the Bengals to win a close one, 31 to 20. Um, I'm hoping that the offense continues to get some of these guys, like I mentioned before, involved. I'd love to see the defense get a couple of sacks, four or five, really, really force that pressure on Joe Burrow and kind of go from there. Um, But I am worried about, once again, the offense sputtering at times, the defense being on there too much, and eventually uh, they tire out, and that's when the Bengals offense could, could take over. But I'd love to be wrong. Um, so that is my prediction. Let me know what you guys think at on Twitter at Pilot to Jets, and just let me know what what you what you uh, what your predictions are and things like that. And right now, you know, we're going into it on a high, and you'd love for the Jets to you know stay with that momentum and try to get another upset win this time at home against the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> 